Liftoff and the clock has started. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 3 of Connect 5, the exclusive podcast from ATD Central Iowa, bringing you the stories, insights, and need-to-know information right from the people who have it to help you thrive in talent development. ATD Central Iowa is Iowa's largest chapter of the National Association for Talent Development, focused on bringing our members high-impact programming, resources, and connections to support personal and professional development and continuous growth. Check us out at atdiowa.org and all our social media channels to learn more about the benefits of membership and how you can get involved. I'm your host, Adam Rich, and we have got an incredibly special guest in the virtual studio today who goes by the name of Kristen Tag. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Adam. I am delighted to be here. Thank you. So I do have this question. So this is the first time we've actually, I, I think maybe the first time we've ever talked uh, face-to-face, right. or I guess this is virtually. Right. But face-to-face, uh, right. I, I had to ask a lot of people, like, how do you pronounce... Kristen's last name and they had to remind me so I'm curious like how often people get that right on the first try like first time they meet you if they don't already know not often do they get it right I've heard everything tagu is the most common um it's way easier than that it would be easier for people if it didn't have the ue on the end because it's really just tag or tag whichever um it's kind of interesting my husband's family one part of his family says tag like you're it the other side says tag like egg with a T on the front. Either one are perfectly fine, just not tagu. Okay. <laughs> Does not rhyme <laughs> with ragu. We'll, we'll just throw right. that out there. So right, uh, right. awesome. Thank you for that. Um, so as we like to do here on Connect 5, let's just start from the very top. So tell us, who is Kristen Tag? Well, I it was fun preparing for this, and I'm delighted to be uh, a part of this growing podcast. The, the The short story on my background is that I have over 25 years of experience in human resources, most of which has been in the talent development space. So ATD is a really important part of my background and my history. And I've had the chance to work for some really amazing companies and with some amazing people. The... Um, bulk of my background has been in financial services, working for awesome companies like Farm Bureau here locally in the central Iowa area, uh, JP Morgan Chase and Principal and American Equity. And now finally, I'm at Pella Corporation. I just started a new gig in January and I am loving it so far. Um, most of my experience on the development side has been um, in the executive development and then ultimately kind of throughout the organization development space getting into things like assessments and coaching and and uh, change management and a lot of those different like capabilities that we're trying to build in our organizations. And I've had the chance to experience a lot of them. So that's a bit about my background and and uh, what brings me to here. Yeah, thank you. I, I think you've had a pretty incredible career. You know, you, you rattled off all, a whole mess of different organizations that are that are large organizations, very prominent right. organizations that you've been a part of. Um, and it's really you mentioned you know financial services, but it's really a pretty diverse you know array of, of different different companies. So I, I personally spent nine years with uh, my previous organization before moving to where I am here today, uh, and it was a pretty heavy or weighty transition for me. You know, not not just that I've been there for a long time, but you know, it's like, oh, I'm basically starting over again in, in a new group. Um, I'm curious sure. to know, you know, you because of your experience, what that's been like throughout your career is you've had to reacclimate to new organizations and what you've learned, you know, about how to be successful through those transitions. 
You know, I think that whenever you're making a transition, whether it's within an organization to a new role or a new gig, or it's to transition to a new organization, there is this element of starting over, like you said, and I'm, I'm experiencing it right now. I just uh, celebrated my three month anniversary at Pella. And I just spoke with someone this morning and, and said, wow, I finally feel like I'm starting to make some of these connections. And, and it's just an awareness that when you're starting over with a new company that, you know, people don't know you and your background, you're, you're looking for those opportunities to not only show that you're credible, but also show that you want to be a good partner and you're really focused on developing relationships. So there is an element of starting over. And yet at the same time, I have found that I've done it now so many different times, whether it's within an organization or in, in new organizations that, that it's, it's become easier. It's like a muscle that you flex. And, and I found that when you rely on the things that make you, you, like for me, that's about building relationships. That's one of the most important pieces. And so uh, I just rely on that. And then, you know, the rest of the pieces just kind of fall into place. And I have found that it's helpful to give yourself grace. I'm trying to remind myself of that right now. And that I know things are taking me a little longer than they will eventually, because I am still learning. And there's so much I don't know about the organization. Um, but then I also have to remind myself that there's so much that I do know and that I do, that I do bring. And that's why I was hired into the role. So I think a lot of it's kind of in our own heads. And if we can just kind of wrangle that, uh, it can help us be more successful. I, I appreciate that so much. And, and I, what really stands out to me is, is patience and grace. I, I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day about you know, that had recently moved into a new role and was, you know, considered an expert, was comfortable in their old role, and now are, are kind of, you know, transitioning into something a little bit different. And my conversation with them was very similar. It's like this, you've, you've got some things that are transferable that you know you can do, right? But you're starting over, you're learning, you know, and just it, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable, knowing that that will eventually come. But that process to getting to the point where you like, you know, come to work one day and you're like, huh, I'm not anxious or nervous about like what I'm supposed to be doing every single day. Right. Like, that'll come to you, but it just takes time to get there. That is spot on. Yeah. I One of the things you mentioned to me before we started recording was in your experience with, in your words, you said instilling a coaching mindset. And you mentioned a little mm -hmm. bit this too, as you were kind of telling us about you a little bit and this, you know, idea of, of coaching. You know, we hear a lot about helping leaders become coaches, right? Like you, right. you're a coach, you have to be a coach, you're a leader, like that's important. But tell us more about what that means to you and how you approach that concept with the people that you're supporting. Okay, great. Two thoughts come to mind when you say that. The first is that there's a pure definition of coaching, meaning that it's it's what we would think of in terms of, you know, I'm working with another person. They are actively coaching me. We might have a session where we spend 30 minutes or 60 minutes and there is a beginning, a middle and an end to the conversation. There are coaching techniques. Um, I and some colleagues were certified as um, associate uh, coaches in the International Coach Federation about 15 years ago. And there's a, a whole mastery of knowledge around what I'd call pure coaching. And that field has taken off and really changed over the course of my career. Um, I don't think I was even thinking about these things 25 plus years ago and about 15 years ago really got into it. So there's that element of 
pure coaching. And it, it really is centered around making sure you're really clear on how you're helping someone get from where they are to where they want to be. Um, asking, of course, open-ended questions and really staying curious about what that person has inside them so that it can be unlocked. Meaning that as the coach, I don't have any of the answers. All I am doing is asking the right questions so that we can help you get to where you want to be. Um, so that, that's one angle and one important aspect of it. And one that I think many of us would say is helpful not only to ourselves, but to our organizations. There's another aspect of coaching that has really morphed and evolved for me that's probably a bit more broad and a bit more um, common. And, and that's in the space of what I call just leadership coaching. And, and like you said, developing leaders as better coaches. And, and I'd say that that's a bit more organic. It's a bit more about helping leaders recognize those coachable moments and recognizing the time to step back and ask a question instead of give an answer. And that can be done in the space of a hallway conversation, or it might be in a one-on-one, -on -one, or even in a performance review conversation. It can be in lots of different forms, but it doesn't always have to be that we are sitting down talking about a topic from end to end and getting you to a new place. It can simply be a matter of recognizing the opportunity to ask a question rather than give an answer. And that's what I think we're seeing that leaders are, you know, when, when they're engaged and they're listening and they're recognizing those moments, that's success for us, I think, as talent development professionals, not necessarily making every single leader uh, what I'd call a pure coach. And it's built, it's helping leaders help their team members practice curiosity. Exactly. Yes. I, I, I think about the the other day I had a conversation with my team member who, who may just be listening to this podcast today. So hello, you, uh, <laughs> if you are listening today. Uh, but she, she asked me a question that I could have rattled off the answer to right away. And I asked right. her back to her. I said, well, what, what do you think? Like, where are you leaning? And she answered and I said, 100% agree. Yep. Go for it. And then the next conversation that we had was like, was, was focused on like, I want you to like, you have it there, right? Like you have the ability and the knowledge to do these things and make these decisions. So if I think that that's the case, I'm going to ask you a question about it and, and let you, you know, talk through kind of where you are. And that to me is so important. And we're so used yeah. to giving people like it's it's easier, right? Just to give the answer. You know it. You're an right. expert. You know the answer. Here you go. Ready to go. Um, versus building that idea of you know I don't know independence or whatever you want to call it, but uh, helping people kind of trust themselves more. Yes, yes, I agree. It reminds me of one of my favorite people to follow. A big plug for Sai Wakeman and the work that she does. And one of her famous questions is, "What would great look like?" And then you pause and like, what would great look like right now? And then you kind of shift the person from whether it's they're stuck or they're complaining or something's negative to, oh, well, here's what it would look like. And then you simply say, well, go be great. <laughs> it's like, it's so simple, but yet so powerful. And, and it really takes the, the ownership off of the leader in that case. And it really helps empower, like you said, the, the person. And so it really is a long-term play um, as compared to that short-term, I can get this done, get this answered and move on. Like you said, so it's a mindset shift for sure. I, 
I, it reminded me of a, a story. I don't want to derail us too hard mm-hmm. right now, but one of my favorite stories when I was a trainer uh, back at my previous employer for like a contact center type of, of uh, audiences who I was training for. And we had a knowledge management tool that I would tell people would ask me a question. And if I knew the answer was out in that knowledge management tool, that was what they would have to use when they got you know out to take calls. You know, So I would sure, just say, well, sure. what does it was called inquire? I'd say, what does inquire say? And then they'd go out and find the answer. And I'd say, yep, you're right. There it is. And they got me a water bottle at the end of class that said, what does Inquirer say? Uh, and I think I still have that that water bottle somewhere. And it was like a very corny, but very proud moment for me. Sure, like, nice. sure. Right. Right. Yes, you're making a broader impact. Yeah, there you go. All right. So I got one more question for you. I'm kind of switching gears a little bit here, but you're currently the head of talent acquisition and talent development at Pella Corporation. In a lot of organizations, mine included, those two things are separate, talent acquisition and talent development, or they're, they're right. led by different groups, right? But I really feel like they're symbiotic. So for you and your organization, how do you strategically make those two things, talent acquisition and talent development, work together? Well, that's a great question, and I'm glad you noticed that. I I do love the connection of these two worlds that I lead at Pella, and and I do think that it, there is a symbiotic relationship and a, and a very important connection between the two. So even if in an organization these two functions are led by different people or they're not, you know, reporting to the same individual, I think that there needs to be a really, really strong connection. And in my past life, most of the time that was the case and that worked out really well. The the beauty of this role and, and my role is unique and, and, and new to Pella, not the functions, of course, but the way we're organized is new. And uh, so we're kind of feeling our way through that. There there are two two things I want to point out. One is that there is a direct relationship between the candidate experience. I mean, people who are even just interested in your organization, like the talent brand that you have and ultimately the experience someone has as they are pursuing you know a career with your organization. And that flows right into the hiring experience and then ultimately the onboarding experience. And so I'd say, you know, that there is this kind of natural flow. And at some points, you know, if you have to have a break in terms of where that work resides or where that that function reports, you can make it work with the right amount of glue. But but there is a definite tie, you know, between a definite thread, I guess, that goes between all of these pieces. The other um, point I want to make about the connection between these two is that in my past lives, we probably haven't done a good enough job of making the connections of all the information and all of the, not only data that we collect and we have about individuals as they join our company, but the insights we have, you know, from them, maybe it was a pre-employment assessment that we did or, you know, something of that nature that we then fail to take advantage of as those people become employees of our company. And so that's one of the things I'm most excited about for my teams is how do we take that experience? Because if you're the person that's joining an organization, you don't care where this work resides or who who is doing it. It's just the experience you have. And we all have been talking about employee experience for a long time. Um, and that's an important element of our work. And then there's also this candidate experience. And so kind of melding the two together in that way, I think will be really powerful. Another thing I'll mention about Pella is that we do have a unique 
uh, set up as well, because we have another person on our team, my counterpart, Carmen, who we are like inextricably linked, but her whole world is focused on employee engagement, the employee communications work, the DE&I space, you know, all of these things that ultimately affect culture. And so our two teams also work very closely together. So we've got this awesome team that's really looking at everything from the candidate experience all the way through the entire employee experience. So when we get this thing humming, it is going to be really powerful. Yeah, it sounds incredible. And I love the focus on you know, the emphasis on people value development, right? That's one of the most important things for people seeking out, you know, candidates for for new employers or whatever is like, do I have an opportunity to learn and grow? Can I advance? Are those opportunities there? And to think about it holistically from start to finish is incredibly smart. And one that if we're not already doing it pretty much should be a, a focus for every organization and going forward. Right, right. And I, I would say one last plug about this what, before we move on is that our our executive team really understands that and really has embodied that. So as an example, one of our three learning or sorry, one of our three culture pillars is we learn continuously. And that idea of learning continuously is kind of that thread again, it's woven throughout. And so that really helps when you've got an executive team the leadership, everyone is bought in that that's who we are and what we're about. And then it helps us in our work in the HR space to to really bring that to life from the you know candidate and employee experience. Yep. Absolutely love, love to hear that. And uh, if I ever become an executive someday, maybe, I don't know, that will be, I'll sing praises of L&D until I'm blue in the face. It'll be great. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Uh, well, I appreciate the opportunity to get to know you, Kristen, and, and chat a little bit. Uh, it's been fabulous to hear your stories and experiences, but I want uh, story time to continue. So I think it's time we transition over to the five. What do you say? Okay. That sounds great. I'm ready. It's time for the So this is the point in the show where we ask you, Kristen, to run down the five. We have the lesson learned, so something you learned the hard way through a mistake or failure, the story, a story about a memorable event or experience in your career, the secret to success, so a tip or insight about what you think is the most important thing someone needs to do or skill they need to have to be successful in talent development, the hot take, controversial or unpopular opinion you have about talent development, and the role model, so somebody who is influential in your career and why. Uh, You down to just run this from the top? I think that's that, that's great. Let's do it. Let's start with the lesson learned. It's the lesson learned. Ooh. Okay. So the lesson I learned the hard way um, is that even with my good intentions, it's really never about me as a leader. It's important to stay curious, like we talked about earlier. Stay, stay curious about individuals, what floats their boat. Um, I would say leadership is definitely an art, not a science. Um, And while there are some guiding principles that help shape leadership and the leader that I want to be, um, I know I'm most successful when I connect with people on an individual level and help them uh, help meet them where they're at and help them feel valued. So a specific way that I learned this uh, through failure is, oh gosh, probably 15 years ago, I had a team member who is very active or has been very active in ATD. So he also may be listening to this podcast at some point, um, but he was celebrating a significant anniversary um, with the organization. And it was during the great recession and we were in turmoil, you know, right? As a 
business, as a society, there were a lot of, it was a really scary time. Um, we had uh, layoffs going on all over the place. Um, our team was impacted as well. And he was celebrating the significant anniversary. And I was um, still fairly new to leadership within five years of leadership. I'm really uneasy about my role in this scary space and wanting to do right by all the people that were, you know, working with our team. And uh, anyway, celebrating this unique anniversary. And so I took what I knew about him. He was a big Iowa State fan. I went and purchased some, you know, Iowa State gear, sent a message out to the team. Hey, let's congratulate him on this you know, significant anniversary. And I was feeling really good. Um, and, I, you know, I didn't let it go. I didn't uh, leave it and, and let other priorities take place, things like that. Well, afterwards, I asked him, I said, oh, you know, tell me, how, how did you feel about that? I hope you felt really valued and really special. And he had the courage to tell me that he said, well, you know, I, it was good. Thank you. And I have to say, you know, I, I was one of 12 kids growing up. And um, my nearest sibling was 362 days away from me. So we were kind of like twins and always celebrated things together. And he said, so, yeah, I, I guess I was kind of hoping maybe we could have done something a bit um, more with more people. And I sat back and I thought, wow, this is such a great lesson for me, right? Like, I'm so grateful that he was willing to tell me how he really thought. He wasn't ungrateful for what I did, but he was also willing to tell me what would have really meant, been meaningful for him. So. I want him to know and everyone to know, like ever since then, I, I really tried to focus on, wait, what's more important for them? Not, not what can I fit in or what's important to me or how would I want to celebrate? It really is about listening to people because everyone we work with is a different human who has different, you know, um, needs, desires, motivations, and all of that. And unless we get to that level with the people that we work with day to day, we're really not making those deep connections. It's treating other people as they want to be treated. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Love it. Let's move on. We got number two here, and that is the story. It's story time. Yeah. All right. So a memorable story. Um, when I think over the course of my career, I've had so many things pop into my head when I was thinking about this one. But the one that stands out for me the most is um, about 17, 18 years ago, I was on a core team for a multi-year HR transformation project. And it stands out as memorable for several reasons. Um, first of all, the team was amazing. We had a core team of four people, um, each bringing their expertise and their gifts so that we could kind of all come together and you could see how we all together rounded everything out as compared to any one person being the true lead. Um, the second thing, I learned a ton about things I didn't know about, like project management, as an example, or the importance of effective change management. That was one of the key areas that I focused on. And how do we really bring people along with what we're trying to do so that we're most effective? Um, insightful emotional intelligence, like, you know, being aware of what I knew and also what I didn't know and, and being willing to play in that space and be vulnerable. Uh, the third thing I learned, we had a lot, of, or the third thing that made it memorable is we had a lot of fun. Um, we found ways to, you know, incorporate fun, to celebrate the wins that we were having along the way. This was a two and a half year project. And so if you never celebrate in the course of two and a half years, it's kind of discouraging. So we had great milestones set out and we had um, a lot of celebration along the way. 
and um, and we not only celebrated what we were doing, but we celebrated the business impact we were having, which was really meaningful. So it wasn't just about us in HR transforming. It was about how are we impacting the business in a really positive way. So, you know, you fast forward to today and, and I'm still in touch with all, all of these people that I worked with then. Um, and so that's a really special thing, I think, when you can work with someone that long ago and you still, you know, get together, you're still connected in, in some way. And I, I think that I constantly pull from learnings and ideas that surfaced a long time ago. Uh, some of the work I'm doing right now is is taking me back to some of the things that I learned there and I'm still pulling those learnings forward. So that's why I that that project and that that um, that work effort really came to mind for me in this space. And I think it's just the best definition of like a positive on the job learning experience. You know, we talk about how that's so important and it's less and less about the training and the formal aspects and more about the on the job. And this is just a great example of that for me. Yeah, I people of this listeners of this podcast are going to hear the idea of experiential learning all the mm-hmm. time because of how, I mean, you just rattle off three, four, I don't even know how many mm-hmm. things just rapid fire of, I learned this because I did this and, yep. and you just can't replace that. That's right. That's all right. right. Let's, let's keep it moving. Uh, two down three to go and let's hear the secret to success. Okay, I think the secret to success is to be nimble and to constantly be um, on the lookout for ways that you can learn something. Um, I was inspired by the the writer Alvin Toffler. He's a futurist who in 1970 wrote a book called Future Shock. And at that time, so over 50 years ago, he said that the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those that can't read or write. It will be those that can't learn unlearn and relearn. And I think that is so important. Uh, We all are in a constant state of that, regardless of where we're at in our career, regardless of how much expertise we gather, you know, over the course of our career. And so that idea of like growth mindset, don't be afraid to try something new, constantly challenge what you believe to be true and what you what you think is true because it may or may not be true anymore and so the ability to pivot quickly and take on new or different work is also a way we can each add value to the business and you know like we just talked about my best learnings really came when i jumped in and and i was willing to tackle new things and and over the course of my career even though i might have been in the same job for a period of time every couple of years i was learning something new taking on something new and and that's what's kept it exciting for me and um it ultimately helps you add value in in different ways so that's um that's of course easier said than done sometimes. And it's easiest to do when you're surrounded by people who have your back and who really want the best for you. Um, and, and I think that that's one of the things I've had the great fortune of in my career is working with some awesome people where I was you know, willing to be vulnerable, willing to try something new, knowing that I might not succeed. And, and then kind of then it just keeps adding, adding to your, your portfolio of things that you can do. It, I, I, I like that you mentioned that, you know, it's easier said than done. It's a muscle you have to flex, you know, and, and, but the, the more that you work that, the more that you really, you know, become emotionally aware of what you're feeling and what you're going through and naming those things and then taking steps to look proactively and how do I shift that? I mean, it gets easier over time, but it is a muscle you really have to flex. It is. And, you know, one other thought that just came to mind as you were saying that on the building of that muscle, Adam, is that 
I, I'm really intrigued by the experimentation word. So uh, the difference between experimenting and piloting. I think in the course of my career, we've used the phrase, we're going to pilot this or we're going to pilot that. And and piloting is great. And it's a, it's a really effective strategy. Experimenting is when you don't know for sure if you're going to be successful and being willing to try something on that you don't know is going to work and you're just trying it on to see if it works or not. And again, you have to have a safe space to be able to do that and be surrounded by supporting people. But I think a lot of companies say they want that innovation and they want that breakthrough thinking, but they're maybe a little less reluctant to actually experiment and give people permission to do that. So um, I'd encourage people to think more in terms of experimentation and then the learnings that come from that, that's where you adapt and improve. All right, Chrissy, we got two left. What is your hot take? Give it to me now. Hot take. So my hot take is that labels like performance ratings really aren't necessary to make compensation decisions. Blasphemy. I know, right? I think that we've been so programmed to, you know, operate in this space that you have to have a performance rating because that's what indicates what you should give from a compensation perspective. And I think that I I know it's a hot topic and I haven't yet even worked for a company where I, even I have said, I'm, I think it's time for us to get rid of ratings entirely. But I always question the value that those rating and labels bring. Um, I don't think we focus enough on the damage that they can do. Uh, the Neuro Leadership Institute has done, done some great work in this space. And so I think staying educated about that and sharing kind of that different perspective is, is helpful. Um, so what I've done in place of that is, given that, again, I haven't yet worked for a place where we got rid of ratings completely, is really help people focus more on the conversation, both leaders and employees. And, and you know, getting away from what do I have to do to get this rating to let's talk about my growth and my development. Let's talk about where I'm being successful and where I could use some work. So uh, that, that's how I've gotten around it. But I don't believe for a second that you have to have a performance rating. You have to have a sense of performance because I think we do want to reward those that have, you know, higher performance levels, but I don't believe you have to have a rating. I love that hot take. That is absolutely incredible. And trying to think of what would happen if I brought that up. Like we don't need ratings anymore. What would happen? But makes complete sense. Uh, I think, I think the organization, yeah, I think they would be, they would be okay with it as long as I could tell them why, but it, it is, it is interesting. It's not, it's not something that's widely happening. Right. Right. All right, we got one more left, Kristen, and that is the role model. Okay, wow, this one was really hard for me to pin down as well. I, I'm going to cheat and have two. The first one is a, a, a leader that I worked with at J.P. Morgan Chase um, literally 25 years ago, and she was amazing in that she really taught me how you get to know someone as a person. And that whole story I told around, you know, making sure you really get to understand what motivates someone, what's bothering them, what's, what they're good at, how do you bring out the best in people? She just exemplified that. I still have a book that she gave me um, 25 years ago, and she had some handwritten notes in it. And of all the things I've kept over the years, that's one of them. So she comes to mind for me for sure. And then the other um, one is another great leader that I had um, who um, he was really influential for me because several things come to mind. He listened to my hopes and dreams. He um, talked to me more about 
me than just my work and what I produced for the organization. Uh, he coached me along the way. So he would hold up a mirror and he was one of those that really, and he still does, not even just um, when we were working together, he was so quick to notice those in the moment opportunities and just ask a good question or offer an observation that really stuck with me. I can think of several examples. Um, and these are these are things that really helped see myself in a new light, um, both the positive things and then also the constructive things that I could work on. And from that, it really instilled confidence in me. I swear, sometimes he had more confidence in me than I did in myself. But because he had that in me, it really not only challenged me to take on new opportunities, but also made me feel safe in doing so. Um, he, you know, he gave me my initial opportunities to lead. Um, and I have no doubt that he was my biggest fan, you know, even when I wasn't in the room. And that type of support is, is so uh, freeing and so positive. And so I just want to call him out for that. That reminds me, Sarah Noel Wilson had a, uh, she's got a podcast that she had an episode that aired not too long ago around people-centric leadership and why that's important. And that to me, is just a shining example of when you treat people as humans and you get to know them and you make connections with them, you make a massive impact on on their lives. So I appreciate yeah. you sharing that, Kristen. And I appreciate everything that we have talked through over the last, gosh, I don't I don't even know. Uh, it feels like it's been forever. Probably hasn't been very short, but it's been an awesome time. So thank you so much for being a guest here today. We sincerely appreciate your time. Yep. Thank you so much. I am I am so honored to be on this podcast. I can't wait to hear how this takes off and and I can imagine it will be very successful. I really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Kristen. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'll be back again soon for another absolutely can't miss episode of Connect 5. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and connect with us on social media. Then head out to atdiowa.org for the latest information about upcoming events and how you can get connected to all the benefits of chapter membership. Once again, I'm your host, Adam Rich. And on behalf of ATD Central Iowa, goodbye from Connect 5.